So what did you think of those Super Bowl ads? Some were good, some were not so good, some were funny, but honestly, I left a little bit disappointed. How about you? Maybe, maybe not. What did you think about that one Jesus gets us? Mm, I know it's a little controversial. Today I'm going to show you a different video. I'm going to show you a different advertisement. The one that I think they should have played. And, and before you get on me on this one, it is not by the same Jesus gets us people, but it's a pastor who created a different ad that I think you'll enjoy. But as we've been going on this series of Journey Towards Freedom, I have been realizing that that these stages that God took the children of Israel through from captivity in Egypt to uh, miracles to release them to only bring them to a Red Sea that they were up against the, the Egyptians were coming after them and God performed another miracle, parted the Red Sea, they went through it, their enemies were destroyed, only to find that now today we're going to be talking about what happens in the desert. And we're also going to be talking about why the desert experience is actually a really good place to be when God is taking us to a place of freedom. Now, the desert is a difficult place. The desert is a hard place. The desert is a lonely place. The desert is a place that you want to complain and say, God, why did you bring me here? But it's the very place that God uses to do something deep inside of us that only the desert experience can do. So what we realized leading up to this, and we had all of these things about freedom. First week we said freedom starts when you choose to be free. And then the next week we said freedom lies where the balance of power lives. Don't want to go back there, but um, you know that when listen to those messages, they're all online. We talked about freedom's power comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. And thank you, Soraya, for that power message today. I don't know, driving that was it a challenger or a charger? Charger. Oh, with a white top. Oh, I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Then we talked about freedom is Jesus only, not Jesus and. And so many of you have had stories of testimonies of how you've been challenged by that and really want to live a Jesus only life. And thank you for taking that challenge. And then last week we talked about freedom's path demands faith over fear, trust over doubt. So before the, I was of the age of 18, before the, I was of the age of 18, I was a liar, I was a fornicator, I was an abuser, I was uh, a thief, all before the age of 18. It's quite miraculous that I didn't find myself in prison. It was uh, only by the grace of God that, um, that I wasn't. But in my early 20s, when I came to this experience with God, uh, understanding that he really loves me, that I began my journey to freedom to not only make amends, but um, pursue this Jesus that I never really knew. I knew about, but I didn't have a relationship with. I think sometimes what happens, religion and even just going through the motions puts you in a place of just saying, I'm checking some boxes, but, but not realizing that, that this relationship that Jesus wants to have with you is this, this journey that he wants to take you to greater places of freedom. 
I do remember a, a time in that journey, though, that I was dating um, Audra, and we'd met in college. And I remember there was a moment in time where I just felt like I said, you know what, Audra needs to know my past before um, I... We were thinking about marriage as I'm thinking about my daughter who just gets engaged. It brought me back to that moment in time. As we were talking about marriage, I said, she, she deserves to know about my past. And so I share with her, I remember the night, I share with her um, all the details of my past. Some would say, that's really dumb, Mark. Why would you do that? Um, but I just wanted to be true to her. I didn't want her to be surprised later on. And and I remember leaving that night just weeping because like, she was like, I don't, I don't think I can marry you. You see, you see she was starting to run through her list of, of the kind of qualities that she was going to marry. And, and girls, keep those standards high. <laughs> keep those standards high. I appreciate that. But I did not meet those high standards. Because I had the appearance of a good kid, but really I had a lot of... Um, baggage that I was, um, and at that point in time, I hadn't had my encounter with the Holy Spirit yet, but I was, I had some stuff in my past. I had a lot of skeletons in the closet that, that I wanted to at least be honest with her about. And, and I remember talking about a car story. I remember I had a Nizuzu pickup truck, four by four, and I was driving down the back road, listening to some sappy love song, crying my eyes out, like, I can't believe that she said no, she won't marry me, like, I'm not worthy of... So that started two weeks of a desert experience for me. Started two weeks of a desert experience, and, and it was actually her, her forgiveness and her willingness to accept me for who I was that began, I do believe, that began my ability to understand God's heart of, of forgiveness, to understand God's heart of acceptance. Because if we're really true and honest with ourselves, a lot of us still have or did have skeletons in our closet. There are things of our past that we're not proud of, and yet God in the midst, while we were yet sinners, the Bible tells us that God died for us. Jesus died for us on the cross. And, and he paid that ultimate price for us. But a lot of times we don't feel like, we don't feel like that, uh, that we're worthy. And so when you begin to look at Exodus chapter 15, uh, actually 16 is where we're going to be. The last part of 15 and 16, probably 17. There's something that God does in the desert experience that is really powerful and important for us. But because it's difficult and because it is, it has an ability to conjure up a lot of uh, things to the surface, that's why it's really hard. That's why there's a moment in time where you feel like, maybe I just want to go back into slavery, into Egypt. The, the Hebrew people, the children of Israel decided that, that at a moment in time of hardship, maybe it was easier to go back to where they were somehow comfortable. And, and I'll tell you what, whether it is sin, whether it's bondage, whether it is um, the things of your past, whether the things that currently you're in that is bondage for you, sometimes it can feel comfortable and sometimes that comfort can feel easier than, than this journey to freedom that Jesus wants to put us on. And, and I want to encourage you that, that the discomfort 
of bringing things to the surface, the discomfort of God uh, addressing some of those things that you've buried deep. And it's like, I never want to address them again. But guess what? As long as they're buried, they still actually have life in you. Just because they're buried doesn't mean they're dead. It just means they're lying dormant, just waiting for them to stir up some trouble. And actually, it's those seeds that actually give the enemy has power over your life because you've never exposed them to the light to bring the healing that Jesus wants to bring in your life. So in Exodus chapter and 15, I'm going to start in looking at verse 20, a little bit of 25. And so they get into the, into the desert and the desert is a, is a, is an uncomfortable place. They, they find themselves in a place of not having water, the water that they do um, try to drink from is bitter water. And then they come to a place of like, what are we going to eat? Right. They only had so much food with them and they get into this desert place. And so there's a high level of trust. Remember, we talked about that we need faith and trust not only to cross the Red Sea, but now we're in this desert experience that that we begin to. And by the way, today's message is really going to talk about identity. It's really going to be talking about identity. And so the desert experience and maybe I'll I'll share with you my big idea today. And so you can start thinking about as we unpack it is freedom is seen when your identity is secure. Freedom is seen when your identity is secure. Like you know who you are and know whose you are. Like like Jesus, this relationship. And so much of the desert experience is unpacking your identity because some of us are still being identified by our bondage. You see yourself in that way. And by the way, bondage is not all the ugly stuff that I just mentioned. Bondage can also be pride. Bondage can also be success. And so, so don't think you like, I'm not like, I'm not like Pastor Mark. He has a bunch of stuff in his past, right? I'm better than that. And and the reality is, is we, we live in a sinful world. And so all of us have something that we have struggled with or battled with. And it might just have a different face and it might just be culturally acceptable because I'll tell you what, success in our culture is celebrated, but in, in many ways it can lead to somebody's entrapment and it can lead to somebody's, um, bondage. But here we go in Exodus chapter 15 says this, the Lord made for them a statute and a rule. And there he tested them saying, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in the eyes, in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your God, your healer. Jehovah Rapha. I'm the Lord, your God, your healer. So he's, he's bringing them out to remind them that God wants to have a relationship with them and that God wants to heal them and that God is saying, but if you listen to my voice and today we have the Holy Spirit who is speaking to us and he's saying, if you listen to my voice and do all that I have commanded, and by the way, you don't have to guess what God's commanded because the Bible is full of his commands. Then he says that the bondage that you once faced will not be there. Or the, I'll tell you what, sometimes the, the, the pestilence of, of sin or wrongdoing, we won't feel those effects of it because we want to pursue the one that, that wants to heal us. 
who wants to heal us. I'm the Lord, your God, your healer. Which is interesting because he, he realizes that there must have been brokenness in bondage. There's always a level of brokenness in bondage. And he's saying, I'm coming out to, for you to not only to experience something, but I want your identity to change to realize that I am your provider. I am the one who's going to sustain you. I am the one. So you were, were, they realized that Egypt for them was comfortable, even though it was bondage. They had housing. They had meals. They had employment. But it was bondage for them. It, God had so much more for them. And, and this is the word for us today, that God has so much more for us. But we, we have to be willing to move from what we're comfortable with into a place of uncomfort, the desert experience, the desert place where we have to understand God in a new way, in a deeper way. Some of you might have, uh, if you've been around Grace Capital Church for a while. Uh, Grace Capital Church has been my home for 22 years. I can't believe it's been that long. Um, I was just an attendee of this church when it first was meeting in Pembroke Academy. And I think if you stick around long enough, they decide that there's nobody left but, but me. And so I get to like be in this role. But so, so be careful. If you want to stick around like long enough, eventually you'll become the pastor. <laughs> so... Um, not true. But, but anyways, but if you've been around a while, you'll say, hey, you know what? We've seen a big change in you, Mark. And, and can I tell you what, what was formed in me through that change? It was the desert experience. You see, as much as I had a desert experience, those, those two weeks of, of great pain of, of almost feeling like I've exposed something really ugly of my life to a person I really cared about and then feeling like maybe that's just not going to work. That was, that was probably leading up to my Red Sea moment. And then my Red Sea moment was when I encountered the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden I began to understand that God really had a plan for me, loved me. But guess what? Then I needed to walk through a deeper desert experience. And, and I've been through that desert experience, not saying that I'm done walking out of it, but I'm saying there's something that took place in those hard times that God does. And I'll tell you a little bit of that story in a moment. But you, you, you might realize that that the desert experience, you'll see this in the slide, the desert experience is needed for freedom's perseverance. See, see, we, we start this journey of, of freedom, but if, for, if freedom is to maintained and to be persevered through, we have to realize that we have to go through the desert. The desert, again, you define the desert for yourself, but it's not a comfortable place but it's a place of true freedom because the stuff that is hidden so deep inside, the stuff that is layered over, the stuff that you felt like forever you want buried has an opportunity to come. And then the healer, Jehovah Rapha comes and says, says, I want to heal that area of your life because I want you to experience greater freedom. But it takes this. And so the reason I put Psalm 46 verse 10 here is because I love this Psalm. It says this, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I'm God. The desert is a still place. The desert removes the distractions. The desert becomes a very humbling experience. And I'm sure many of you have been there. If you haven't been there yet and you're willing to go there, it's a humbling experience, but it's a very powerful experience because that's where you're trained to hear God's voice. When you look at through uh, the Bible, the scriptures, and when God called specific people, he did it with Moses, right? He went in the desert first, 40 years in the burning bush. He did it with Jesus before his ministry started. He went into the wilderness, tempted by Satan, and 
rejected Satan's temptations, but uh, uh, Satan's, his temptations are nothing new. I'm, I'll give you, you know, call down the angels, fall over this cliff, and, and I'll give you the world. And like he's trying to promise things that he never has the ability to, to deliver on. Only Jesus has the ability to deliver this full life. Paul uh, went to the Arabian desert after he has his, his experience on the road to Damascus. Um, Elijah or Elisha, I can't remember which one, but off into the desert um, to, to begin to hear God's voice. And the desert experience is that be still and know the whisper. We have to understand to hear God's voice. We have to get the distractions that we have to come to this very humble, challenging place where we have to know God as our identity rooted in Christ. So if you carry on in, in Exodus chapter 16, you realize now they come to this place and the children of Israel are grumbling and God doesn't respond because of their grumbling. He, he responds despite their grumbling, in spite of their grumbling. And he goes this and he says, at the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And he's talking about how they're going to give the quail and the manna. Right? They were like, oh, manna, some bread. Okay, that's good. But we want meat. We're longing for meat. And so he sends them a, a, a whole flood of quail. And he does this consistently. He does this consistency. Uh, consistently. And, and God's providing for them. But here, as he's providing, miraculously providing, like, uh, it's like manna, uh, the dew in the morning. They go and collect. But interestingly enough, he says, he says that after they collected the bread, do this. And then for six days, but on the seventh day, don't store anything, right? And then, and then what happens is they begin to store. And when they store the, um, sorry, at the end of the day, eat it all down and realize that God's provision is going to be enough for the next day. And when they do that, some of them decide they're going to store it. But when they stored it, it all turned into like wormy, moldy, gross bread, I was reading that and it just kind of dawned on me that this is what we do. When we, when we follow God's partial instruction and we go beyond where God has asked us to go, it actually turns rotten. And God's very specific with us. Like he, he wants to guide us and he wants us to, that's why we need to hear his voice. Because if we're just cruising through life and just kind of like, oh, I'm just going to make these decisions. And, and yet we're not listening to the voice of God. And some, I know when people say this, like, I can't hear God. And I would just say, you begin to train your, your spirit to know what God sounds like by reading his word. Yes, ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill you and indwell you and all those types of things. But if you want to know what God's voice sounds like, start conge uh, congesting. Start digesting his word. Amen. If you want to get congested by his word too, that's fine. But I want you to digest his word, read his word, and his word will sound like him. Because he is the word. Jesus is the word. So this is how we, how our identity kind of starts to get messed up a little bit. And, and really he wants to speak to us and he wants us to hear him. And here's the, uh, here's the challenge. A misplaced identity will place you in bondage. You'll see that on your, on, on your screen. A misplaced identity will place you in bondage. Because when you start saying words like this, I want to be rich, you'll be enslaved by debt. I've been there. Stress and anxiety. I want to be famous. And you'll start compromising your values. You see it all the time in Hollywood, right? Um, 
these, these kids, these Disney characters that were once, you know, innocent kids gets into Hollywood and, and you start realizing how that scene begins to rob from people. They compromise in their values and all of a sudden you find yourself in these dark places. I want to be pretty skinny and loved and men, men will take advantage of that and, and puff you up and make you feel a certain way and then as soon as they get everything they want from you, they discard you, right? This bondage. Or I just might, like, I just need to numb the pain and this kind of bondage comes with all kinds of trickery it comes knocking in door in many many forms right when we when we have we want to numb those experiences that we've had that have been painful and we haven't been able to deal with them properly and God hasn't we haven't brought them before him to heal him remember he wants to be Jehovah, Jehovah Rapha his our healer and and yet we haven't brought them back to the surface and so we are we're trying to deal with it by all these masking of things by the way, some of you who are super successful in business, who are super motivated, who are like going to be high achievers, ask yourself the question, what, what's motivating me? Part of my de desert experience was, see the interesting thing, those are more subtle things because the world actually celebrates those things. Even in ministry, so I was, I was a, a developer, I was started a nonprofit, we're doing projects in Africa, and, and uh, anything that I put my hand to, I made sure it was successful and made impact. Can I tell you what was driven by that? I can only find that in the desert experience. What my deepest motivator was, was I needed to be a person of significance. Can I tell you what a lie that is? See, somewhere along the way, I, I heard a, a whisper of a voice of like, you're, you're not enough. And I was determined to show the world that I am enough. Money, okay, when money wasn't enough, then I was like, oh, maybe charity. When charity wasn't enough, oh, okay, maybe ministry. I'm going to do this for you, God. And when I realized that, that what is the motivation in all of those things that God had to purge out of me, he needed to realize, where is your identity? Am I enough? See, God just needed to remind me, like, are, who are you doing this for? And what are you doing this for? And why are you so driven? And why? Are, and by the way, when you're, when you're a driven person and you, you, it appears like you have all these great motivations, people will put you on platforms and they'll start clapping for you. Yes, look at all that you've done. Well done. Meanwhile, you're dying on the inside with stress and anxiety. And then you start like, how am I going to cope with the stress and anxiety? And then you, you do things that you shouldn't be doing. And then you're wondering, like, how did I get here? But, but the desert experience has a beautiful way if you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life to begin to purge and bring these things up and remind you of the things that were, were falsely spoken over you. And you have to realize that, well, wait a second, I am enough. Maybe, maybe you are famous because you're the apple of God's eye. <laughs> you know, you are loved because he, he loved you so much he gave his very life for you. That, that you are forgiven. You don't have to wallow in self-pity and regret your sins are white as snow. And, and, and you don't have to provide for yourself. You don't have to be the provider. You don't have to like make all this money because we have a provider. His name is Jesus 
who sees your situation and will provide. See, this is what God was doing with the children of Israel. He would provided the, the quail and the manna, and he's saying, but do it in this way. And then they still were grumbling, like, really, only, only quail and only bread. And, and then they were like, in Egypt, we had it better than this. But see, this part of their journey, they were still not prepared to let God define who they were. They were still looking for, for what was easy and what was comfortable. And God was saying, I, I have so much more for you, but it's going to take this desert experience to work this out. It's going to take this really challenging time in your life to work this out. So, so my encouragement for you is don't, don't look at your desert experience. Don't look at those challenging moments as a time to saying, oh, I got to get out of it. I got to run about it. You have to say, God, what are you doing in it? What are you doing in me? What are you doing in me? You see, uh, you're going to see this on the slide. When your identity is in Christ, your focus shifts from what we do to who God is. Amen. Some of you are still focused on like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Or I need to be this. I need to be this. I need to be this. I know she can show the world this. Or, and some of you, actually, some of it's the opposite way. Some of you guys, like my, my dysfunction was, was found in success. But some of your dysfunction is found is in, 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 woe is me, I'll never be anything. Can I tell you what? That's also slapping God's face because you're made in his image. He loves you and he has a plan for you. When you wallow in your self-pity, you're saying that God is not enough and he is enough. When you, when you go towards this place of saying, I'm so successful, look at what I can accomplish. We can say, oh, oh Really? Who is this for? Is this for Jesus or is this for you? So we, we, we begin to, when our, our identity is in Christ, our focus shifts from what we do to who God is. I have this, this I'll show you this clip now. So let me just again preface this. It can feel and look a little bit like the clip that you saw on the Super Bowl. And I know there's controversy of Jesus gets us. But this was a pastor who kind of reworked what it is, and I think it has to do with their identity much better. Watch this. Don't ask me what you know is true. Don't have to tell you. go there we go because this is an identity question formerly I was a liar a cheater fornicator formerly you were such of those things formerly they were 
But that doesn't define us. Jesus defines us. Our identity is rooted in Christ, and he's the one who saves us from all those things. He doesn't just get us. He saves us from those things. Can I have an amen on that one? Amen on that. Philippians 3, 8 through 10 says this. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Identity comes from knowing. And the desert experience, if we're really willing to allow ourselves to be present in that moment and stop kicking and screaming and like, get me out of the uncomfortable place, we realize that be still and know, be still and know, not be still and think, not be still and feel, be still and know that he is God, the God who saves the God who redeems, the God who forgives, the God who restores, the God who defines you for who you are. You are a child of God. I indeed count everything else as lost. I count all my, my successes, my failures. It's all lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, like I've accomplished all these great things, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that deepens on faith, so that depends on faith, depends on faith. That I may know him, there we go, know him and the power, there's the fast car charger, the power of his resurrection. And may share in his suffering, the desert experience, becoming like him in his death. But sometimes it takes You see, the desert, but sometimes it takes the barren place, the hard place, the empty place to see that God wants to do something in our life and that God wants us to know him and to count everything else as lost, to count our our past mistakes, even our past successes and, and weigh them to saying, wait a second, what's my motivation? Was it anything but knowing him more? And then in Philippians 1, 6, then this week, what we can walk away here today with great assurance in, and this is what it says. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you and me, his work's not done yet, but he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus, of Jesus Christ. A few weeks from now, March 17th or 18th, 17th, it's a Sunday, in service, we're going to have a baptism service. 
I'm giving you forewarning. Some of you already know. I'm just saying, I say baptism, and all of a sudden your hearts are going pitter-patter. Water baptism, this is me. This is going to be for me because you need to begin to identify. Your identity needs to be rooted in Christ. Not just a decision that you made some point in time, but you're going to identify with Christ's burial and resurrection. You're going to do this in front of people. You're going to get wet and your mascara is going to run and your hair is going to be matted to your head and your clothes are going to be like all sticky to you. And like you're going to feel like all the reasons why you should not be baptized. But you're going to do it in obedience to identify with Jesus Christ. That your old life is behind you and your new life is in front of you. But it's your life identified with Jesus Christ because, I'm going to put this back up on the screen, guys. Freedom is seen when your identity is secure. I want each one of us at the end of this series to say, I know who I am. And I know whose I am. We're a child of God. Saved by his grace. Redeemed by his love. Renewed by his spirit. And called to make a difference in your family, in your community. He's put you on a mission. But he wants you to be free. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be completely free from those little gremlins that still live so deep inside. But it requires us to say, Jesus, do the work. Do the work in the desert that I may hear your voice, that I might know that you are my God and my King. Let's pray. Father, I just ask that you would allow us to hear that still small voice. Let us, as we move in the days and weeks ahead, as we get into that difficult place in life, that desert experience, let us not kick and scream and reject, but let us realize that you are providing, providing what we need in the middle of that. Enough just for today that we're not saving for tomorrow, but we just want to every day listen to what your voice is saying to us, my son, my daughter, I'm well pleased. I know those hurts have tried to define you. I know your mistakes have tried to define you. I know your successes have tried to define you. But Lord, let us realize our identity is rooted in you and you alone. Let us just continue to receive what it is that your spirit is saying to us right now. Give us courage to walk this path to freedom. And everybody said, amen. So the rest of the story of my journey to freedom, my desert experience actually was while I was still in ministry here at Grace Capital Church. As you know, we went from, from a time of multi-site to single site, and, and God just had a way of stripping me from pride 
And then he actually addressed something that was inside of me. It was, it was a deep insecurity that somehow I wasn't going to be quite enough. And so my flesh said I'm going to be enough. But when you act in the flesh, you realize that it only can produce things of the flesh. Momentary success, momentary impact. And God had to rip that out of me and still ripping it out of me. And so I want to act in by the spirit, by his identity, by who he has made me to be. Not in the flesh. But that subtle voice of trickery came from a deep rooted hurt from probably childhood. And it had to be rooted out of me. But it took the pain it took the desert experience. And I just say that for you as a, as a point of hope to realize that it doesn't matter how old you are, how long you've been walking with the Lord, let him do the subtle work by his spirit to bring things to the surface and bring things to the light because today I am walking in greater freedom than I ever have. And he wants that for you too. But it's a daily decision to say, my identity is rooted in Christ, in Christ only. Have a great week. Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time.